All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, Jeremiah chapter 10, if you are there. Let's um, read together as we usually do from verse 6. We'll read all the way to verse 16. Are you ready? All right, one, two, let's go. It's not like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who will not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But they are altogether stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, they are idol this wood. Bidden silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Ophaz. The work of a craftsman and the hands of a goldsmith, violent and popular, they are clothing. And they are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Read verse 10 again. Do it one more time. But the Lord is a true God, He is a living God, and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes. And the nations cannot endure his indignation. Verse 11. Thus you shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. But he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there's a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. 14. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. The portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he. And Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Thus we have exalted Jesus this morning. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. Jesus is highly exalted. Amen. The maker of all is he. Yeah, that's what the Bible says concerning him. By him all things were made. And without him there was not anything made that was made. He's beginning. He's the, you know, he's the head of the church. All things are subject to him. It's a father's good pleasure that the fullness of the Godhead should dwell in him. We declare that this Jesus, manifested in flesh, is the true God manifested. He's a living God and the everlasting king. Amen. And right now the earth is shaking. You know why? Because it's only, you see, people think it's when the devil is angry. No, it's when he's angry that the earth quakes. And the nations cannot endure his indignation. We exalt Jesus this morning. And literally, literally, we diminish the devil. We diminish the world. We diminish the activities of Satan. We exalt Jesus alone this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for giving us your only begotten Son. Thank you. This morning from you, we receive insight, we receive understanding. And we declare as follows. One, two, let's go. the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, 
in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. God is entering my heart. He's giving me light and direction. He's healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. All right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All right. Okay, like I was saying, good morning. Good, good, good morning. Looks so, it's so nice to be here this morning. And to have all of you here this morning. Your hearts and minds are very fresh. Okay, those who are joining us online, you're welcome. Let's see how this morning thing will go. Okay, let's continue teaching. Um, we'll be looking at, um, for some time, of course, the train of thoughts we have been on has been concerning running the race that is set before us. And I'm really excited. You know, when I heard last week's message, and if you booked it, please just pick it up this morning. And now that's why all of you were saying that um, you were blessed because I didn't even hear anything that was happening when it was happening. It was afterwards and I heard it. I said, oh, that's good. So I believe that we're going to go in the same spirit in a deeper dimension this morning. All right, let's start today. We'll start reading from the book of Luke chapter 9. Because I want to just tell Christians again, all right, before we get into the message. Please, learn to... The Bible says, by faith, we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God. You remember that? Now, what I want to emphasize to us again from there is that Christians learn to understand by faith. Without faith, you have what? No understanding. Without faith, you have no understanding. Anytime you see something, just know there's a spiritual side to what you are looking at. Never forget it. There's a spiritual side to what you are looking at. And try. That's what makes you a believer. That's what makes you a spiritual person. Again, I say it, the spiritual person is not the person that's going on the road and is going, I'm praying. No, that's not what makes you spiritual. Is that anytime you see something, you interpret it from the word of God. You use the perspective of heaven to interpret what you are seeing. That's what makes you a spiritual person. So you find a Joseph in prison. So you are beginning to understand, because we've read the scriptures, that the Lord is sending him ahead of them. I hope you're getting my point. Now, the average person, the Simeon, the Judah, the, um, uh, give me other names of his brothers, Reuben and all of that, okay? They look like, uh, don't be angry with us, so our father said you shouldn't avenge, you know, or, uh, don't take vengeance for this sin we did against you uh, after he dies, which he never said, <laughs> but they were just still afraid. But a, a man of understanding like Joseph said, yes, I know you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You were not the one that sent me here. God sent me here. It was like, okay, let us send my servant to Egypt. So how do we send him? You know, God does that. He has, I told you, he likes fellowship. So he discusses with people in heaven. Again, can I just digress inside the digression? He decides with the watchers, some of whom are human beings, either living now, all right, that living now on the earth or lived on the earth, I believe he sits with some of the saints of old. I have the impression he'll call a man like Pyelton and say, sit down. And they will discuss, who do we make the next president of Nigeria? He doesn't check what we discuss on the streets. He doesn't come to our beer palace. He does not come to Twitter. 
It doesn't call for APC convention. They sit in a conference in heaven and they will decide who do we make the next president. And Pilatin will say something. And Abraham will say one thing. And the Lord Jesus will just be looking at all of them. He has taught them. His will. They will always come into unanimous agreement. It's the spirit of heaven. They don't, there's no dissent there. If you have a different opinion, you, you go and join the devil. Yeah, really, literally, because that's why it's called the opposer. The word devil means one who opposes. In the council of heaven, everybody is learning. Yes. If you have learned, you will express the opinion of God. What Jesus does is that he pours his spirit into his people. He comes to them. He breathes upon them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Begin to see the way I see. Understand the way I understand. The announcement is because I put you as a, watch, a watcher. You understand? The decree of the watchers. So I put you as a watcher in Nigeria. Come, sit on this council. Now, not as if he can't make a decision by himself, but that's what he calls the demonstration of his righteousness. He wants, you, he wants the universe, beyond this our universe, whatever other multiverse is out there, he wants them to know that his righteousness is real. So that if I give you my heart, my understanding, and you see the same things that I'm seeing, you will make the same decisions. So that's what he does. He leaves you to make the decision. We have looked at this issue of um, Abraham um, interceding for Solomon and Gomorrah. There are different ways to look at it. You must understand that there's a multifaceted way to approach spiritual things, you know, and each one is correct. But it may sound different, but if you understand the perspective you are looking out from. Now, Abraham interceded is one facet. But the other facet, which is higher, is the fact that God demonstrated his righteousness. What God said to Abraham is that if I found ten, I would not have come down here. You think I came here to waste my time? Abraham was like, ah, will you destroy, destroy the righteous with the wicked? <laughs> Jesus said, you think I would have left where I was to come and destroy them if there were righteous people there? So what he was doing, he was, let me use the word, he was playing Abraham in a funny way. That Abraham, you will come to the same decision I came to. Just go ahead. Abraham said, if there are 50 righteous, will you destroy the place? The Lord said, no. He said, okay, Lord. If just after that 50, five is lacking, the Lord said, no problem. That is, you will see what I went through too. He said, please don't be angry with me. What if they are just 30? The Lord said, no problem. What if they are just 20? No problem. I won't talk again. In the same manner, Jesus said in heaven to the Father, the least will take is 10. So Abraham also came to that point. What if there are 10? We will not destroy the place for the sake of ten. People have always said, why didn't he ask for five? He could not have asked for five. And paradventure he asked for five, it was denied. And that's why it's not on record. The least the law would take, it was ten. But the point is that, you know what the law was saying to Abraham? Go there yourself. You, that is, even if I wasn't here. Now let me say something to you. There's nobody as kind as the Lord. You are not in existence. The only person that appears kinder than, than the Lord is an idiot. Spiritual idiot. That is, doesn't understand anything. You know those kind of people that, no, 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 no. Don't punish anybody. Have you seen parents that don't know how to discipline a child at all? A child will misbehave. Say, spanking. I say, no, it's, not, it's just a child. Do we spank adults? <laughs> you make it look as if when we say that, teach this guy a lesson. You think it's because we are wicked. We say, make him a responsible adult. Help him grow up to be responsible. We're not saying be wicked. So the one that hates the child does not chastise him. 
The word of the Lord, not my word. So the person who really truly loves, none is kinder than the Lord. None. So what did God do? Say, Abraham, go ahead. Make the decision. And Abraham said, we'll stop at 10. God said, fine. I didn't find 10 too. I wanted you to see how my heart works. Abraham had been, you know, had been taught. It's called the demonstration of his righteousness. One thing Dr. Fagumi said once when I was in Sokoto. He dropped one profound word that God is so righteous. If you have understanding, when he's killing you, you'll be telling him thank you. That is how righteous he is. When he's killing you, you'll be so appreciative. That he wages war only in righteousness. He's totally good. He never does anything that is fraction of wrong or oversight in it. He said, but why do we pray? Because the earth has been given to the sons of men. Because there is an accuser who wants things bad. And who will play on the knowledge of the iniquity you have committed to obtain judgment against you. Those are the two reasons. So even though God wants to do what is good for you, many times he can't. Why? There is no intercessor. Bear that in mind. You know where I, know where I began from, right? Where did I begin from? Council in the nation. So that's the way he is. So when he wants to decide, he doesn't decide by himself. He calls people, saints of old from this nation, saints of old from the church worldwide, saints of old, People like Abraham and God, he will sit down, they will sit down. Say, no, we're operating the democracy right now in Nigeria. They will say, yes. So, now, paradventure, that's what he wants to do next year. Paradventure, don't quote me that the Lord said that I didn't see anything. I'm just teaching, you know, I told you I'm teaching uh, spiritual doctors so that you'll be able to de- decipher problems in society and apply the appropriate therapy. And you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I'm just showing you how things work. So he sits down. He doesn't just all by himself. This decree is made in heaven. It's a summary of the meeting of the watchers. Some of them who God said, live through this nation. Some of them who walk on the earth every day, even though they meet in the council in heaven, but you see them, they walk around. They won't die. They are not normal people. They walk around. They go to immigration office. They get... They, they collect bribe from them. Hey, God, may you not collect bribe from the spirit. I'm telling you. If you bribe a spirit, you don't have me. That is, if you go and take bribe from you, you extort a spirit. Ah, please, just don't do bad. Because one day you do it to a spirit. Some people entertain angels unaware. Some oppressed angels unaware. All those men that came were discussing yesterday, that came to the house of uh, Lot to attack those angels. Why didn't you just attack somebody else? On the spot, the angels made them blind. Please, if you are an evil doer, this message is for you. Don't do evil to anybody who's alone at night. Some of them are set up. They've set them up. You just see one young woman walking at night. Ah! You say, oh my, let you on the protection. There's nobody guarding this one. That's a spirit. When I say, it's not Ogbanje, it's angel, you know, it's angel. <laughs> It's an angel. <laughs> it's an angel. We just finish you. You know, you know, there's a way when God wants to punish person, you punish the person from yesterday. That you did the thing today. You, you just look back. 
You said they have been sick for six days. Some of these spirits, they walk the earth. They will stop a keke and sit down. And the keke man will drive them around. I want to discuss. They will go to court. Borrow lawyer's robe and sit down. I'm looking at the judge like this. And they can see everything. See this one. Hi. For 100,000 naira, you will pervert justice. Are you looking at the judge? And the man is going home. Suddenly so run into a tree. And you say, what happened? He's, he, he can't understand. The Indian was just so saying, don't do that again. How can you detain a man because he gave you 100,000 naira? Those people live there again. They go for APC election. APC primaries. They go for PDP primaries. Those are the people that God will not gather together. Spirits, some of them, current spirits, some of the human beings that were on the earth, they will not sit down and say, what, according to the plan of God, who do we make the next president? Their decision is final. Say, so, but we operate democracy. It's an illusion. At the end of the day, you will vote according to what they said. Like I say all the time, there are enough angels to give each Nigerian one. I want to make one, and not your normal angel, the voting angel, the one that will guide you. They just say, okay, this is how the votes will go. And the day of voting, you will go there. They've calculated. This man is winning. And all the votes will count. They are not rigging this time, saying they are not rigging. There's no problem. You will be so determined to vote for one party. Let's, just, let's not look at our supporting anybody. The party's name will be um, uh, Party ABC. As you're about to turn, people just say, ah, Obahal now, bam, invalid vote. Just look, who greeted you? Oh, it wasn't you. But your vote don't invalid. As you want to turn, you just put it halfway between ABC and XYZ. There's one angel that shifted your hand. We won't count your vote. You know they're here. They will mobilize enough people. There are some people they can't see. Somebody will bring them by hand. Help them to print. They, by that, they will, see, they count it before they come. That is why when you want to play matches, you, you are the one that thinking that they are playing. The match was played in heaven days before. Heaven decided who will win, who will not win. Heaven decides who wins, who does. Even in football, I said, listen, I wish you would understand what heaven is called, what heaven is like. His kingdom rules over all. That's what the Bible says. Don't ever forget that. So back to what I was saying. Let's learn as believers to do what? Reason that is by the word of God. Understand by faith. Let's learn to understand by faith. Like death is not an accident. It's not an accident. It, it comes different ways. Once the day of death has been set for an individual, it comes different ways. And if that day has been set, there is no human way to prevent it. You block it like this, the spirit of death is looking at you like, you know, people, some people are so determined, maybe go now open their eyes and now see this, you want to now fight the spirit of death. It does only want to kill you with the person. Say, please. If he say, okay, don't go out to, they say you will die today. The angel said, you needed to hear, don't go out. So I can collapse the building on your head. Because if you went out now, because we have joined these things together. This building was supposed to collapse because you're a kidnapper. <laughs> you built 
it with kidnap money. So they said I should break the building. No, the other guy was supposed to break the building. So he said, what if you go? I said, let's just join it together. No need to kill you some way, break the building. Let's just join everything. So we'll send the lying spirit to go and lie to you that don't go out today, you are going to die. So you will stay at home. And it's a plan. They will not crumble the building on your head to fulfill the, the decree. So if the man doesn't want to die, what should he do? He should get on his knees and say, Lord, I don't want to die. That's what will have saved his life. There's a Chinese proverb which I heard from one of these um, Kung Fu Panda series. It said, men often meet their destinies on the road they chose to avoid it. That is that very road they are trying to use to avoid their destinies, the road they, that will not lead to their meeting the destiny. What am I reminding us of again? Christians, let's think from a spiritual perspective. The spirit controls the physical. Never forget it. I'm saying that again because I see Christians, pastors, pastors especially, misleading the church concerning the next election. And I say, people, please don't do it. When you want to campaign, go outside. Nothing wrong with campaigning. You are an APC member, please campaign. You are a Labour Party person, please campaign. You are a PDP member, please have fun. You are an Afghan member, have fun. NMPP. But please, when we get to church, let's uphold the truth of God. Let's uphold the truth of God because what happens sometimes is that when people get so emotionally involved in some things, I hope you know, more than half of Nigerians, okay, okay, let's say, more than 40% of Nigerians at least, their candidate will lose the next election. No, true or false? Minimum, in fact, the way the, the, the landscape looks now, minimum of 40%, their candidate will lose. Not because of any other thing, the fact that the only the majority will win. So the person who will win is likely to get more than 50%. That's why I just said minimum of 40 So at least, the way it is, we probably won't win by more than 55%. So more than 40% of us, our candidate that we voted for, we lose. Which means the probability of your candidate losing is almost half. At best, it could be 90%. Because <laughs> some people are going to vote for people who will lose, who won't get 10% of the votes. It's a normal thing. It's nothing strange. Some of you are going to vote for a party I've never heard of as of today. And they will get like 2% of the votes. For sure. But what I'm going to say is that if you don't understand these things, as soon as that person comes in, the person who wins, you will start opposing the fellow with your whole heart, which is what the church does a lot of times. One major reason this country didn't make further advance than it should have made in the last eight years is because from the onset, they were angry with whoever won, the current head of state. You now hear some idiotic talk that the Bible didn't say what we should pray for the president, for the head of state. When they tell them to pray, I've heard that thing all over the place. The Bible says that pray for your, for your leaders. They didn't say what to pray. So they now say, I pray that they will die. You know, you know, let me say, if you were God, wouldn't you send you to hellfire? Just think about it. When you, when you just take reason and turn it on his head like that. One brother told me something once. So when in school, I tried to explain to him that, look, leaders are appointed by God and what we're supposed to do. Now, this 
Please, you hear me say now. It's not today. I've been having this discussion with people. The one I'm telling you that is like 1990, 1991. We're in 2022 now, right? 2022, yes. So I'm telling you this discussion with somebody at least 22 years ago. 32, did I say 22? Did I say 22? Okay, I want to say 32. 32 years ago. One of my brethren on campus. People have been, you know, some people I look at them and say, oh, your life. You have opposed and you have cursed every government over your head. And you think the government is the problem? All your life. I told this to my brother that day. I said, listen, this is what the Bible says we are supposed to do. You know what he told me? He showed me a scripture. In the arguments, you can't just continue. He showed me a scripture that you see the Bible says government are meant to, how did Paul say in Romans, when he said, be, be subject to all authority. All authority is ordained of God so as to reward do, do, eh, reward good and punish iniquity and all of that. He says, so any government that's not doing this is not ordained by God. You know, I didn't know where to start the, continue the discussion from. Because apparently he has made up his mind this one is not doing it. I want to remind him that I hope you are aware Paul wrote this when the Romans were in authority and he was being unjustly imprisoned. Yet he wrote that. When they said pay taxes, there were fake tax collectors all over the place, overcharging people. Some people don't realize it. They want to say, I said, so you have not made yourself the judge. So all of them will present what they are doing before you. So if you think it is right, you pray for them. That's one thing we believers must be careful of. Because we are whipping ourselves into a frenzy. The church, I'm talking about the church, not the average man on the street, can't get involved in what's not their business when they can't even put their own house in order. What am I saying? Please, when we are in church, pastors, I'm begging you in the name of the Lord, stick with the scriptures. What did the Bible say to us? In Daniel chapter 2, we read this. It's very simple. He said, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. For wisdom and power belongs to him, belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. I just read from Daniel chapter 2, verse 20. Is that not scripture? I said this to one brother. I said, look, Banky, leave that thing. Nigeria and Israel are not the same thing. And one man who's a non-believer answered him and said, ah, are you trying to say Israel was not a nation? Yeah, that's what he said to, them, to him. Because I tried to establish for him, I said, my people, listen to this. That the reason Israel failed was not because Moses was a bad leader. He said, leave that thing. We just like to argue against the Lord, which we must never do. All right, the Lord is good. Like I said, it's just a digression. So in church, what should we do? Please, let's just remind the people of this. Again, you know, people just like to label you once you don't say what they want to hear. What am I saying to Christians? It's as if I say this almost all the time. Yes, I think it's called feet washing. We have to keep encouraging the believers. Every Christian, no, not every Christian, every Nigerian that's an adult, register to vote and get ready to vote. That's number one. 
Why? It's a civic duty. Number two, vote according to what? Your conscience, your understanding. And please, if you're a Christian, and that's for every Nigerian, if you're a Christian, your conscience must be righteous conscience. If you vote because it is my entire power, man, with our family will now be in power, I will now be able to become a commissioner. Or that's an unrighteous vote. Heaven will cancel it in Jesus' name. Amen. Vote because you believe in certain principles. If I tell you what's going to guide my own vote next time, you'll be surprised. I won't tell you from here, so as not to confuse you. But do you know one big man of God says he's not going to vote? I said, what? Yes. He said, I cannot be. He said, too many. Die. Okay, it's not a secret. It's Pastor Yeah, the boy. He said, I cannot support one of my children against another one. Yeah. One of us heard it. I said, ah. then when I heard this explanation, that's why Absalom did not vote. When he was handing over to Obasanjo, he deliberately didn't vote. When they were following him around, he said, oh, they say I came late. They say I cannot vote. He wa- I said, it's not a mistake. He, he did that for a number of reasons. Now, observing from my own home, I felt number one, he wanted to show that INEC is following the rules, that he came late. Of course, he was the sitting head of state. He arranged the whole election. So when he arrived at his own polling booth, they said, oh, guy, you came late. They said, accreditation is over. So he laughed at the camera and said, they say I can't vote. But secondly, we know the truth. He doesn't want to be seen as siding any of the two leading candidates. So the man refused to vote. He was a sitting head of state. He was going to hand over to the next person. He had to pick basically between um, Olufalai and Olusegun Obasanjo. He said, I'm not picking anyone. Before you start calling my name tomorrow, when things go in a particular way. So the man left the place without voting. You are not Abdul Salami. I hope you know. Neither are you here, yeah, boy. Don't pretend. <laughs> Go and vote. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. But just, I'm just using that one to explain the fact that everybody, we have a reason. Do you understand? And let your reason be what? Righteous. Not like, who? This man. Hmm. He came the other day, I asked him for money, he didn't give me money. I won't vote for him. That's a useless reason. I hope you're getting my point. All right, the Lord is good. That's a digression, okay? We just keep digressing like this because we have to help the people of God. Amen? So, in line with our main teaching for now, we said we should open somewhere, right? Luke chapter... Chapter... Was it 9 I said? You sure? Let's start from verse 57. We'll just read to the end. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, that is, the Lord told this person now, the first one said, I will follow you. This other person, the Lord was one that called him. And that one told the Lord, Lord, permit me to first First, the word here for us to note is that word first. He said, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere 
the kingdom of God. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first, first, permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now the message I have for us today in line with running the race that is set before us. I think I should recommend as I start the book I wrote a few years ago titled um, Don't Quit the Army. Don't Quit the Army. If you are listening to this from anywhere, please just go to our website. Go to the book section. The web address is pastor.ng. And you see it there. It's a small file. I don't think it's up to two megabytes. You download, please read. And for those of us who are here, I think there are paper copies. Do we still have or it's finished? I can't seem to see anyone from here. Okay, we still have a few. All right. Mm-hmm. Please read the book. I want every Christian to read the book. Please, I want every Christian to read the book. And when you finish reading, share with somebody. Please. Anytime you go to our website to download something, it's not free. We charge. What's our charge? Share. So anytime you read one book, share with five people. That's you've paid. You say, I downloaded this book. My guy, please. They said I must pay. What's my payment? Share with at least five people. You can send the link or you can just... Bluetooth, WhatsApp, they are PDF files. They are very small. They are smaller than most of the TikTok videos that you share. Uh, yeah, you know? Okay, in fact, let's do a small challenge. Everybody here that shares anything, you must share at least seven books between now and evening to at least 70 people. Like 10 people each. Okay, that's what I mean. Don't ask whether you read it before. Just send them to them. Say, read this book. If you don't read it, you're not my friend. Or if you don't read them. I hope you are noting what I'm saying. I'm not joking. That's not supposed to be a joke. If you are listening to me, otherwise you will pay for all the books you have read. And I'm going to charge you at the current rate. <laughs> and if it's online, it's priced in U.S. dollars. They are not expensive. Just $10 per book. 7 k right now. So what do you just need to do? Just share. Because all the books put together, all the seven I'm referring to, they are not as heavy as two small-sized TikTok videos that you share. Most of those books are one MB. The biggest ones are like two MB. The only one that's about seven is because the person who designed put a lot of graphics to make it look nice inside. And I think that's, um, should I say yes, some of those ones. But generally, if you put it together, 10 MB, you have 15 MB, you have more than seven books. And the good thing about WhatsApp is that it is not per person that is charging you the... Do you get what I'm saying? If, if all the things together is 20 MB, I use 20 MB. Even if I send to 100, it's 20 MB. Some people don't know that. Once you for, send it once, as you are forwarding it, it's not re-uploading. It's just taking the link and sending it to all of them. So please, do that. I'm asking you to do it. What's my reason? I want, now the earth will be filled, okay? But let's leave the earth for a moment. Before you fill the earth, you have to fill the church with the knowledge of truth. It's when you have filled the church that it cannot speak to the whole earth. So I want Christians to please have understanding. I talk with believers a lot, and the degree, the amount of ignorance amazes me. 
The boldness with which people argue against God shocks me. They want to talk to them. They pack you full of common sense. Like this scripture I just read now. People say things like, God will not come down from heaven to give us a leader on the earth. I say, says who? It sounds so common sense. It sounds like wisdom. Until you tease it apart and say, is that what the Bible says? The Bible never said so. The Bible tells us clearly. He chooses kings. He removes kings. He changes their times and their seasons. That is what he said. How it feels like to me is a different matter. So please, help me educate believers. It's important we educate ourselves. Please, when you want to talk, all right, like politics now, always put it inside. I do that a lot. I'm discussing with people. I say, this is under the sun. No? We're just talking. No? We just want to enjoy ourselves. No? The reality is that this is not what decides who is going to rule. Please, never forget it. God does not practice democracy. He practices godocracy. You say, it was godocracy. It's different from theocracy. Now, this, I invented that word. Don't go outside and I'll be using it. Too. What I just mean is that he makes a decision. Why I use the word different from theocracy is that when you talk about theocracy, usually people like Israel was a theocracy, you know. They said God is our king. But we're talking about reality now. Whether you say it or you don't say it, he's a governor amongst the nations. He chooses kings and he removes kings. Whether you say it or you don't say it, that's the reality. I am not saying you have no effect. You do. So what do I mean? If you all do evil and God says I want to punish these people, he will give you an evil leader. That's how you can decide. You can't decide by picking somebody. You decide by doing right or doing evil. You decide by praying or by not praying. But you can only say, God, do me good or don't do me. Who we will use to do it is not your decision. I hope you hear that. Who he will use to do it is not at all your decision. So what we are discussing, let's know this. Now, what I want to say, please, share these truths with people. The people of God are often confused. The amount of ignorance I find around, it frightens me. I don't know, you know. Let me, please, I've not gotten to my message. We just want to gist, all right? Maybe because it's morning. I'm feeling very fresh. All of you are so awake. Nobody's dozing. No, sometimes when you are preaching, you have to shout somebody, say amen. It's not really amen. You want to wake somebody up. <laughs> when everybody is just awake and fresh. I gave my life to Christ in secondary school at the time I can't remember. Not because I forgot him, but because I did it so many times, I don't know the one that counted, all right? <laughs> There was one sister, if I never forgot, I can still see her face. So my classmate, her name was Joy. One day, Joy stopped me after, was it class or fellowship? She went to talk to me, and I was a bit of a shy person. You'd be surprised then. So I tried to avoid her, but she waited. The young woman waited. This boy, I don't catch you today. You're not going anywhere. So we're classmates, but this is our first year, so we didn't know each other well. When I say first test, because we're part of a mass of like 500 students. All science students came together, all right? Before it was the second year, when I became smaller classes, that I got to know her better. So this one, I don't know how she noticed me. She decided that she was going to talk to me that day. I never forgot because that was the day I stopped giving my life to Christ. She asked me whether I was born again. And I, the answer I gave her was simple, like, okay, see, I had a, a bit of a deeper life-ish background. 
not from home, from secondary school. I was in boarding house. So we had um, some people, SU, deeper life kind of people that would come and teach, you know. <laughs> if I still remember them this morning as I was having my battle, was it this morning, yesterday morning? When I entered, the, my battle was kind of cold. So it reminded me of when they used to make us come out of the hostel in the Hamatan to go and have fellowship around 5 a.m. And cold will almost kill you because you want to come and have fellowship. We're very small children, you understand, secondary school. So I told her a bit of the story that, so when you say, I say, I don't know. Our background that time was that anytime you did something wrong, you died again. So you have to go and give your life to Christ again. So I kind of was going up and down. If I remember one day, <laughs> was a CU fellowship. They gathered everybody. It was Sunday evening. The apartment of the was full. And the preacher finished preaching and he asked for those who want to give their life to Christ. And I came down. And as I was going up, I passed by my the person was following me up before. <laughs> you don't get the point. Because the last crusade, I gave my life to Christ. And I had the follow-up person there. <laughs> and as I was going back, I passed by her. It was a lady. I passed by her. I thought she was probably like, this guy is giving his life to Christ. <laughs> I did that so many times. So, <laughs> why am I telling the whole story? So that lady was the one that stopped it. So that day she now was not talking about it. I told a bit of the story, like, um, I don't know that, yes, I've, uh, she now explained to me that, no, it doesn't work like that. That was the day I stopped. Just her explanation, that's how I come, I never forgot, I never forgot her name. Joy, that's her first name, okay? I remember the second phone name she had in school, I don't want to tell you, so. But I remember it very well. So she was the one that God used to deliver me after that. Now, where I'm going is that, shortly after that, I... But my second year, no, I think second semester, my first year on campus, I got involved with um, a fellowship. The church is now big, but let me not mention their name right now. And um, I remember that they went to a meeting. That was not my fellowship. I was going to Deeper Life my second year. Then I'll finish. This fellowship, they're very funny people. I'll, I can tell you their name after. They're very big now. They're all over the place, okay? They are notorious for not keeping time. If there's an event, is 10 o'clock. Come at 2. They have not started. They were that bad. They were that bad. So one day I was going to fellowship one of their guys, because I attended one of their programs. So he saw me, invited me, so I told him that I was going to fellowship. That is the same day as my own fellowship in Deeper Life. So he said, okay, that when we are done, that was the time of their fellowship? I think he said 8. I said, oh, our own is also 8 to 10. So that I would not be able to attend. He said, no, now when we finish, I can just pass through. I think the guy knew what he was saying. I got there past 10, they had not started. When I finished my own, I went to their own. They had not started. By the time I left that place that day, I think it was at 1 a.m. Yeah, when they finally started and we finished. So one of their meetings I went for, that's what I'm telling the story. So I got involved with them. I used to come for their meetings. I stopped the following year for just one reason. That's their indisciplined lifestyle. I, did, I couldn't stand it. I used to attend the Life. I Deeper Life was 7.30, yeah, I remember. 7.30.5. No, sorry, 7.28. Everybody's seated. Everybody. They don't need to tell you. Everybody's seated at 7.28. 7.30. Somebody started the fellowship. So I wasn't now used to people who would tell me fellowship is at 8 and 10.30. You are still looking for who connect the mic. So that's why I didn't go on with them. But one of their meetings... One brother walked in, one of the, in fact, the one that invited me that day, he came for one meeting one day, I was in the morning, he just said, do you read Christian literature? I said, well, not really, but anyone you give me. So he gave me five hindrances to growth in grace by Kenneth Hagin. Never forgot. 
He gave me the book. It's a small book. So why waiting for them to start? Do you know I finished the book? By the end of the before the fellowship started, I finished the book he gave me. But I, I didn't. I, it was striking for me. I never had that kind of teaching. Five hindrances of growth in grace. A small book. Talk about um, lightness, looseness, loquacity, like other people. There were five. I mean, I can't now. Four. I forgot the fifth one. Okay. Laziness. Yeah. Laziness, lightness, looseness, loquacity, and like other people. Those are the five that he gave. I finished the book in a short while. Now, that was the end of my first day. By the second year, I came back to school. I didn't go to that fellowship again. I now settled in my fellowship that I attended the Light of Christ community. Okay? Now, why I tell the whole story is that that guy was the first person to introduce me to Christian literature. Then I started reading, and I never stopped. I never stopped. I said to people that I read everything Ken Hagen wrote, every single thing, unless he didn't write it. Apart from the daily devotionals, which they were just from the other things they had. So I'm not a devotional kind of person, reading one page a day. I'm not good to that. I read the book when I want to read. I want to finish in one day, as I like them. So that's just why I didn't do well with his daily devotionals. But I'm going to emphasize the fact that I, I was taught early to read. That's what this whole story is about. I was taught early to read. I always read. We finish it. Any, we discover the reference, start reading every reference we could find. We discovered um, 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 people like Oswald J. Smith, Oswald Sanders, Oswald um, Chambers. No, I didn't know Chambers that time. It was Oswald J. Smith and Oswald Sanders. And I remember when I became a leader in our campus, in our fellowship on campus, my president that time, we called general coordinator, gave me a book. I was in our library. I was librarian before then for our fellowship. I kept all the books so I read. He gave me a book titled The Leader and His Reading. It's what? Um, Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. This spiritual leader or effective leader, I think spiritual leadership. There was a chapter in there, the leader and his reading. And the man emphasized, now with all the reading I've been doing, the man made me look like I don't read. But I started again. I spent, see, the whole, I said, by the time I was doing my NYSC, now the first worldly possession I bought with my own money after leaving school was the Bible that cost one third of my monthly salary. Bollinger's Companion Bible. I bought, it was an expensive Bible. It cost one third of my monthly salary to buy. And the day it was delivered to me, no, was it delivered though? I was told the book had been bought, something like that. I don't know, I got a message. Was it, was it delivered? One of our sisters that used to stay in Abba, said she, they had a, we used to buy books from Abba. So she said, okay, when she goes, she'll help me buy. This, I was a house officer. Did they? I, got, I was so happy. I'm not, I'm not sure I got the Bible. I was, just, I was fetching water in front of our building. So I was smiling. So my guy, one of my fellow house officers, he said, ah, like, hey, Blackie, this is coming, Blackie. Say, Blackie, what's going on? Be like, say, you win jackpot. I said, man, this one passed jackpot too. What happened? I said, this Bible I dreamt of all my life has finally been delivered. <laughs> he said, how much you buy him? I told him the money. I told you it was one third. I mean, walking the same place. You knew how much we end. He said, Blackie, I beg you. Me, no vex. So. Now, nah, worry, guy. That's how he used to speak pigeon. He said, but Blackie, don't they crazy? So. <laughs> he said it like with, 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 with apologies. That, no, I think you've gone mad. You just spent one third of our monthly earning to buy one Bible, and you are rejoicing over it. He said, Blackie, no vex. So. But Blackie, don't they crazy? He, he said it matter of fact. He wasn't laughing, but that's the kind of person I was. The Bible is still 
with me. I think either it's at home or it's next door. You can go and, if I should go and remove it in the museum. The crazy Bible. <laughs> Do you get my point? Yeah. Now, so I spent energy, I spent time, spent money. That's how God just helped me. So that by the time I went for NYC, I met one guy that had a bachelor's in theology. He told me later that I challenged him to read his Bible. He had a bachelor in theology. Bachelor's in th- he went to Baptist Theological Seminary. The Bible was all they studied for four years. Came out with a degree. We stayed in the same barracks during NYC. And then he wrote me a letter that, my God, that I challenged him to read the Bible. Because I used to have discussions with him. And meanwhile, I went to school. Me, I studied medicine and surgery. Now, please, get where I'm going. So this is when I see Christians. Like, now, you know, I'm sorry to say this. I don't mean to ridicule anybody. When I start seeing people say that I never knew the like the other day, Krevzoda was saying that until he understood the gospel of grace. And I'm like, excuse me, sir. The first thing I was taught in my life was the gospel of grace. University. So I said, okay, so this is why I had arguments with people over years. The person now comes later and says, now he understands the gospel of grace. Meanwhile, for your information, I started listening to Krefro in 1992. The first set of his tapes I got, I got either 91 or 92. So I'm looking like, sir. So while I was listening to you, did you understand the gospel of grace? I remember a friend of mine when I was in Lagos that when they saw me, we used to hang around together, you know, go to places together, go everywhere, you know, especially on Sundays. After church, I used to borrow a car to go to church. <laughs> Boy, jump inside. We they work at Lagos together from one place to the other. It was in his house I first saw T.D. Jakes. When I entered this house, I said, Banky, come, come, sit down. Video cassette. When I saw T.D. Jakes, I'd never seen anything like that in my life. So one day, we saw. I just saw and said, oh, boy, it's been a while. He said, Banky, we need to gist. We need to gist. I said, no, no. So after church again, as usual, we parked ourselves. This time around, we went to my house. We said, I began to explain some things to me, and I was looking at him. How we are not saved, all this works, not what's saving us. And I'm looking at him like, are you just discovering this? You know, I was waiting to hear something. Bam! And I was shocked. You know, she was trying to explain to me, gave me a book by one of his friends who I read it and I was looking like, I was waiting for the discovery. It never came. Why? With all humility. I had known this virtually all my life. All my life, and I've been from the time I began to read in second in university. Now we are graduates. I've always known this. So all this time we have been hanging around together. You didn't know this? The fact that what we are, we are only in Christ. is not our labor. So maybe that's why I've had a lot of people have, I'm sorry to say it, a lot of people have, you know, criticized my messages, be angry with what I thought, because they did not understand the fundamentals of Christianity. When I said that, give so you can get, I said, No. You don't, you've heard me. If you heard, I've been preaching that for more than 30 years. I first preached this on campus in 1990, there about 1990. One of our sisters, MJ, it was her birthday. She just stopped me and said, Banky, will you preach at my birthday? I was, of course, nah, I tell a young guy you go preach. Even if it was at your name is ceremony, I will preach anything. So in her room that time, in the female hostel, hall one, time for the word, they called me. I said, what is the secret to receiving? I knew what they would say. Giving. Giving. I said, no. Open to the book of James. You have not because you ask not. I said, I came to teach you today that the secret to receiving is asking. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. He that seeks, finds. To him that knocks the door shall be opened. You know, I said, look, 
the secret to receiving is asking. James said, just make sure you ask in faith, not in comparison, to spend on your own loss. Don't be in competition. Now, I preached this thing for the first time, I think 1989 90. That was what? 33 years ago. So you can understand my confusion when people now say that Pastor Banke is saying that people should not give. I feel like I'm sorry to say, please, when do you go and preach for 30 years, having learned the truth, then me and you can talk. You see one boy in primary, because he learned um, mathematics, the quadratic equation, now he's feeling very happy. He now goes to argue with postgraduate students who are doing integral calculus. Yes. And I know I will sound arrogant, but I found out later that was all that was going on. So there's a revival of truth now among some people. So they now say, no, I said, but this was why people were calling me names for years. A lot of times some things will happen, you know, you stumble into comments about yourself, like on Twitter, you know, you see, you know, they, they, you know how do they call it? They tag me on comment and all of that. They say that, somebody said that, leave all this argument, Pastor Banky told us this one 10 years ago. Same people now come and say that we did not understand the gospel. I said, you are discovering the gospel of grace. Meanwhile, you fought me for 15 years on things you did not understand. So I'm supposed to be excited now, Abby. That you finally woke up. I found out that many Christians, they don't learn anything. That's what I'm telling the whole story. They are not disciples. They are church people. Once a book is more than three pages, you have lost them. They are spiritually lazy. And it shouldn't be like that. A lot of the arguments we have, you are arguing with people who don't read what you read. Yeah, they don't. They'll be telling you things that the Bible is so clear about, they'll be arguing against it. Like this leadership thing I'm talking about. Tell them, pray for the leaders of your country. They will never agree. Like you tell many Christians, that they are not willing to accept that God can, Southern Christians now, they are not willing to accept that if they go to heaven and God say, I have appointed the Rabbi Ukwakwansu as the next head of state, they will, they, will, they will say, Jesus Christ, save me next millennium. I'm not following you again. They will. Do you know, they will refuse. I'm not saying it's a point of rabbi you can't say so. Before you now go and say that, I was a man who prophesied. I didn't prophesy nothing. I hope you're getting my point. But that's how much we don't obey scripture. That's the point I'm making. And then we don't trust God. We think we do. We now start to manipulate things like we have prayed. We now we need to do something. What we mean is that our works will bring forth this salvation. My point is that people don't read scripture. You tell them that, listen, God is not going to bless you because of your seed. He's going to bless you because of obedience. He has already blessed you in Christ Jesus anyway. No, they won't agree. Why? They've sown seed for 10 years. It's supposed to germinate. You want to now spoil it. People rather continue on the path of ignorance, expecting that if I drive fast enough and hard enough towards Port Harcourt, I will eventually get to Lagos. You will tell them, sir, this is the road to Port Harcourt. Why didn't you say two hours ago when I left Enugu? Say, sir, I did not know you were going to Port Harcourt. Now you just made to Lagos. It's now you are just telling me Lagos you want to go. You said, no, we can't waste the two hours. Lagos could be going to go. I said, but sir, you say you are going to the U.S. Embassy in Lagos. And, but now we're going to Port Let's just reach Port Harcourt. I want to catch a flight there. Will they carry my car? Sorry, why don't we just turn? We can just, we can now, we are here, we can just join and come out in our nature and then we'll continue. No. And that's what they do. We tell them the truth, you're on the wrong road, no, no lie. We have driven this road for long enough. 
we must continue it. We will eventually get to where we are going. Even when the road is going in a different direction. What's the point I'm making? Please, people of God, read. Spiritual knowledge, spiritual information is available. You just have to make yourself a student. The word disciple means student. It was the disciples that were called Christians. That's when Jesus said, come and follow me. He didn't mean, come and serve me. Come and learn from me. That's what he meant. You served him as a result of what? Learning. When you have finished learning from him, serving him will be natural. Serving him will be natural. Please, you are not a Christian because you go to church. You are a Christian because you are always learning. You are a disciple of Christ Jesus. You are becoming like him. He's transforming you through changing of your mind. He's reprogramming you. The way God reprograms people is through words. First, he first puts an operating Many of us understand computers these days. At least we all have phones. By an impartation of the spirit, he puts an operating system into you. Either is an Android 10 point, whatever. Which one are they using now? They don't reach Android 25, I don't know. Put Android on you. iOS. Windows. He puts it there. That's by the spirit. <sighs> Receive the spirit. You get born again. You get baptized. That's when it starts. But that's the only thing he does. He puts an operating system there. If you buy a computer with, a, with an operating system alone, it can do what? Nothing. The only thing it can do is to come on. Can it print a document for you? No. Can it take pictures? No. Can you use it to uh, do uh, more the networking? No. Can you use it to do online? Um, can you use it to browse? No. Can you use it to type? No. You can't do anything with the computer. Even though it's a good computer, it has a good operating system. But it doesn't work. It can't, it's useless to you. Every other thing you need to do, you must install the application, which has now been shortened to apps. You must add the application software on it. Just to ordinary type, you must install Notepad. That's the basic minimum. You want to go browse, there must be an, a, a, a browser. There are different ones. You want to type and format a document, you have to put something. The commonest one we use is Microsoft Office. You think computer just print by nature? No. You have to tell it to print. And install on it. Ah, many of you don't know. You have to tell the computer, this is what they call a driver. You plug many um, printers. It's not working. Why? They say there's no, there's no driver. The operating system is very smart. You tell you, connect to the internet, you connect. They to help you look for the driver, download it, and install it. When you get, give your life to Christ, it's just the OS. You get the Spirit OS, the JSOS, Jesus Spirit OS, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead OS. That's the operating system. After that, how do you pray? You have to install the praying software. So they came and said, teach us to pray. So you have to be taught. First line, start, enter, our Father, enter. When you launch it, you give you our Father, what's never. Sometimes you have a wrong one. You use it, it's not working. They look at the software, break it down, do reverse engineering, look at it. I say, no, now you are praying the power of your good works. Then we record it. 
We have not come in the power of the good works which we have done. We have come only because of the grace and mercy which we have in Christ Jesus. We thank the Lord for saving us. We thank the Lord for watching us. That is, uh-huh. then it starts running. Say so now prayer is working. Then you're going around with the old method of relating with your country. Then you, see, you now say, seek the good of the land in which I have kept you as exiles. Entreat the Lord. Then you say, oh, is that so? Pray for your leaders. Uh-uh. New software. What am I going to say? Many Christians are malfunctioning computers. Why? The proper applications are not installed. How do you install the application? Sitting down like this and listening. Taking a book and reading. Somebody is teaching you the word of God. It teaches you, no, there are things you install. Your whole computer, it, it, it just hang. It just hang. It's not working again. Why? They say, what is happening? It's not compatible with JSU OS. I hope you are getting my point. Say, <laughs> so this one is, can't you see on it? WS, World OS. Manifest. See, that's why it's not working. Everything you are doing is manifest. It's called Mammon OS. This was, no, Mammon, Mammon app installs only on World OS. I hope you're getting my point. Say, so does it work like this? What is this one? Look. We will finish them. Say, hey, bitterness app. It does not run on Jesus OS. So you go home, you can't sleep. You're tossing up and down. Nothing is working. Then you go to the Holy Spirit who understands everything. Say, the app you are running, it doesn't run here. This is a world, it was designed for world OS. This is world 15.8. Say, Lord, what do I do? Uninstall. Click, click, click. Uninstall can be painful sometimes. It has corrupted some of your files. Your investments have been corrupted. There are some who say, do we recover this file? You say, no. Jesus said, no, don't recover this file. <laughs> so what about this one? Say, this one was my file that they corrupted. Don't worry. Let's repair this one. This was a good relationship you had. You used bitterness to mess it up. Let's fix it. That's the way it works. You have to be constantly, how do I say it? Because Jesus doesn't update, you know, he's perfect. It, it, Jesus does never reveal his OS, see what you have. So all these worldly, imperfect people that keep on giving you, you my, my phone has been telling me now for the last few days, update your phone. I say I'm not updating. Because this time, update your phone, that's it, one gig. But just by the way, these people are very mean. That update you must do. One day you go jam. The one that makes me laugh is Windows. Windows tell you, critical updates, you say leave them. Update, leave them. You have deceived Windows, because there's a way you can deceive Windows, it go update by itself. You do some settings. Then one day, Windows will tell you, computer is updating in one hour. It is joking. <laughs> Those of you who want to do marriage online, take marriage vow online. Do you... Windows, you tell you, computer is updating. Bam, it shuts down your marriage ceremony. <laughs> and so there's nothing. You just tell you, keep it plugged. <laughs> oh, you've not been there? It will tell you, keep it plugged. Because this update, I will do it. You just tell you, updates, updates have been downloaded. Say, Bros, did I not warn you that I'm on metered, metered connection? You say, no. This is what they call a critical update. I look, I say, now, wow. So, 
I can't even manage my own life again. Microsoft said, you can't. Just by the way, God does that to us sometimes. But it doesn't update our OS. It's some app. Say, this app, you will learn it by force. I will install it in your life. Say, Lord, I don't go great. It's all right. When you're sick, you go no now. Now, when you're in the hospital, you are half conscious. They will read the app to you. Say, say amen, amen. They are reprogramming your life. <laughs> when you finish, you say, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Now I obey your word. <laughs> the Lord is good. What's the point I'm making? Please, people of God, being a Christian means we run the appropriate software for everything. There's divine software for marriage. There's divine software for business. There's divine software for citizenship. Divine software for running ministry. There's divine software for everything. The true disciple is always putting them on, adding to them. Now, the one that we update regularly, of course, are the applications. Our fundamental Jesus OS is never updated. It's perfect. It's a perfect OS. However, because of our own personal deficiencies, we may first get an, we may first get an OS on how to manage money. It's not perfect. We use it for a while. God says, update that one. That one is not the real one I want. You keep on increasing it until you become exactly like Jesus Christ in every affair. Please, I hope you're getting my point. If you are not doing it, you are failing as a Christian. It's not an optional thing. Did you hear what I said? If you are not doing it, what did I say? You're failing as a Christian. Listen, it's not something like, ah, people are telling me, well, you know, you know, you're, are you going to be a preacher? I said, why? Because I, I was used to listen to messages and read books. I felt bad that the answer was yes, but that was not the reason why I was doing what I was doing. As God lived, that was not the reason. Some things that you hear me say, it's not bragging. I keep, I keep on saying, if you are the bread of life, you are the bread of life. If you are the bread that came down from heaven, you are the bread that came down from heaven. But when Jesus was saying it, it wasn't boasting. It's like you say, say hey, you are, you, are you a man or a woman? I said, I don't want to say I'm a man. I to be like I'm bragging. What is bragging in it? I said, yeah, man, yeah, woman. You're not confused. You're not transgender. You're just... Do you follow my point? Yes. Sometimes we say, be like, you're not bragging. If I tell you the witches can't land on my roof, it's not bragging. I didn't pray about them. I just know who owns the roof. That's all. How do you know? OS. Now, OS told me clearly, I've installed the redemptive knowledge software on it. The knowledge of redemption, that in Christ Jesus I'm an overcomer. It's not about, it's not bragging. Like we were saying yesterday here, as Christians, we are not under attack. It's a lie. Who said that they want to? Listen, nobody can Islamize where the true church is. It is absolutely impossible. It's not, the universe has not been designed like that. One day we were discussing some bread and they said, and this is how we'll be doing now. Until Nigeria becomes like Turkey. I said, don't be silly, my friend. Don't, did Jesus not tell you why Turkey became what it became? So what do you mean? I said, Jesus said, if you don't repent, I will come and remove your candlesticks. It was Jesus that removed it. I think you think it was politics. It wasn't politics. They want to give it to you that, listen, uh, that you see, Christians have to come together. If they don't, now, uh, do you know that Turkey used to be a Christian country? I said, yes, I know. That most of the letters of Paul was those places and today's Turkey. I said, I know. He said, look at it, now it became Islamic. I said, do you ask yourself why? You think because of lack of Christian political parties? Why don't you go to Germany and a lot of Europe? Every party that has named Christian there, they are unbelievers. Why did Turkey become what it became? Jesus warned about it. Didn't you read Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3? He told the church in Ephesus, which is now in Turkey now. He told them clearly, if you don't do the works you did at first, I will come and remove your candlestick from his place. What does that mean? I close your church. He said it himself. He said that you are cold or hot. If you are lukewarm, I vomit you out of the place. That's it. Out of my mouth. And when he did that, the place closed down. 
And the natural thing he does is to replace them with Islam. You think it's somebody's agenda? Mark my words. Listen, Europe has only one or two options. They don't have a third one. They either get totally Islamized or they cease to exist as a civilization. There's no third option. You either get totally Islamized or stop to exist as a civilization. You think the things that happened in the past they don't happen anymore? I mean, people never tell you that. I say, oh, you think the solution, when Jesus said, cleanse your ways, do the works you did at first, kick out the old woman called Jezebel, don't listen to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. These are the things that will preserve your candlestick. You don't want to follow it, you want to go and use political arrangement to prevent things that God has commanded with a decree? Come on. Christians, see, there's a real way to reason spiritually. That's the point I'm making. There is a way to reason spiritually. And we're not talking about self-deception here or living, you know, in an imaginary world. That is the reality. That is the reality. See, to the spiritual person, when I say spiritual, I don't mean the person who goes to the realm of spirit. No. I mean, who reasons with scripture? There are things you look and say, this is what's going to happen. Give it to Why? It's divine order. Like what I, just said, what I just said now. I'm not giving you, I had a revelation. There's no revelation. I observed. And I say, every time you institutionalize the denial of God, especially, listen to this, especially when Christianity was initially established in the place, there's only two options. You become Islamized or you are wiped off the globe as a civilization. And you want to know the signs that the nation has totally rejected God. It's simple. It's, look, there are a few. You don't need. See, once they start mainstreaming sexual deviancy, it's a big sign. When a man applies for marriage license to marry another man, David Parsons' words are the best to explain it. He says, not, he says God is not angry with homosexuality at all. He says it's a sign of his anger. That when God is angry, you start behaving like you are not normal. And you see, they start little by little. In many of those European countries, it's, no longer, it's not illegal anymore. Okay? For a brother to marry his blood sister, same father, same mother, as long as they are both adults. A man was having, he was having a sexual relationship with his own daughter. And an article was written to defend it. That what is wrong with it? They are both adults. She was 20-something. Well, late, maybe like 19, 20, 21. And it was 40-something. And the article was written to defend it. And in many of those countries, it's legal. Many of these so-called civilized places, they're only civil on the surface. If you peel the surface and you see the bestiality, there are men, they're the only people they sleep with is animals. When the service, they wear suits and they are members of parliament. I'm not joking. When I say animals, I mean animals, dogs, baboons, stuff like that. And they are CEOs. You tell me, Sena climbs. You know, when Christians talk sometimes, they say, you don't know what they call sanity until Jesus Christ appears. So, what I said is a matter of fact. It's not about uh, the law of It's simple scripture. Just read Romans chapter 1. Listen, what? <laughs> What am I, I'm telling believers, please, let's gather and study scriptures. Let's read the Bible. Listen to sound teaching. The scriptures, the word of God wasn't given to us so that we become rich. Because we have commoditized, is that the English word? We have commoditized the word of God. Everything has now become for sale. When you're reading the scriptures to see the keys to business success. The, the book is not more, like the brother I was arguing with. I saw this thing you have said. I said, give me the reference. Because I gave you Bible reference. Now you rejected it. I said, so should we do life according to Confucius? Or life according to Socrates? I asked him. 
Is it Plato we are following now? Pythagoras? Are we following Greek philosophers or Chinese philosophers? Who are we following? Because if you have just given you the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and you have rejected those words, I said, otherwise what you are telling me is that you just come up with any form of common sense from your mind which can be a, a, what we call in psychiatric and autochthonous delusion. And I shall accept it when the word of God is no longer the standard between you and me and we say we are believers. What's our reference? It's a professional like me. So I said, we know the way our job is. Give references. You don't make a claim without references in publications. I said, give me your references. I have given you my own from scripture. And we are both supposed to be believers. People of God, please. Oh. That's our main job. Oh. Our main job is the word of God. Oh. Learning it every day. You cannot be a successful husband, businessman, teacher, minister, businesswoman, wife, you know, father, mother, anything, without having that word of God entering you on a daily basis. Do you know you don't even have the power to do right? You can have the desire, but the power is not given to you. The life is in Christ. The spirit of Christ is transmitted through the infusion of his word. Well, let's get into today's message. That's just the, not that I wanted to Precious, one yourself up. Luke chapter what? It's morning. No, we gotta enjoy the morning, you know. It's morning. The Lord is good. Now let's get back to our series. That is the teaching, following the plan of God for our lives, running the race that is set before us. No, last time we explained something. I'll just take a moment to recapitulate so that um, you'll be able to get the flow, especially if you were not around then, and even if you were, so that you remember the things that we said. I explained that our Lord Jesus Christ is a master planner, is a master architect, and he has broken his work. The work that the Father gave him has been broken into different pieces, different assignments, and each person has been given an assignment. I emphasize to us that in this life, all of us have something specific that the Lord wants us to do. We are not in this life by accident. We may not know the details of what he is doing. However, no matter how little or how insignificant what each person has been given to do appears, all right, no matter how insignificant, we must be faithful in doing it. And I said I need to repeat that again that we can all come together and frustrate the plan of God in our generation. I said the ultimate plan cannot be frustrated. It can just be postponed to another generation. If the generation that left Egypt will not remove Egypt from their hearts, they will not enter the promised land, but their children will enter. If that set will not agree to enter, then as a matter of fact, the next generation will have to be the one to enter. And that God will not say, Nobody will enter the promised land now because some people refused. He will just keep on shifting the generation until he gets a generation that will accept. And I said last time, I fear, and may that not come to pass, that we have a wasted generation. I, don't, I mean, I don't want that to happen. Okay? But the only way it will not happen, because you must understand, the way God has designed it, all of us must do something. We must do our own portion. The only way it will not happen is that we individually, not collectively now, individually, Follow the plan of God for our lives. As you are following yours, 
okay, and I'm following mine, we have now collectively agreed, without saying so, we have agreed to have the plan of God fulfilled in our, concerning our generation. That if we do the opposite, we individually, because that's what a lot of us make as mistakes. We just assume that if I don't do it, somebody else will do it. Just bear it in mind that even though theoretically that is possible, practically it doesn't really work like that. If enough of the people of God will forsake his assignment, if too many of us become like Demas, then what will happen is that the revival, the destiny for that generation will not happen. So we should never get discouraged. Don't forget this. I said we are tight, we are tied to one another. We are part of the same body. Okay? We tend not to be able to enter into promises individually. That is, because there are things that God wants to do, let's say, in the nation in Nigeria, which he created so he can call that body, the church in Nigeria. There are things he wants to do in the church and then in the nation. Okay? But he can't do it just for a group. For example, now, let's assume, you know, that's one mistake Pentecostal has made that time. I was there when they were, they were thriving in Nigeria. They began some in the late 70s, if I remember, 80s. But then the late 80s, I entered as a young person on campus. Then we began to participate. One of the major mistakes we made, all right, at least our leaders, is that thinking that there's a new crop of people that will get in without the old people. But it doesn't work like that, except that our generation dies off. I don't know whether I get my point. So what we should have done is to take the knowledge that we had and attempted to spread it to everybody. And that was, that was what God wanted. But we thought that um, we create a new group, Pentecostals, uh, revelation knowledge people faith people. Every revival, every revelation is supposed to spread to the whole church. If you came with the holiness movement, it is not holiness movement on itself now getting to divine destiny for the body of Christ in the nation. No. Holiness movement should teach the whole body holiness. Did you hear what I said? Faith movement should teach the whole body faith. Prosperity movement should teach the whole body true prosperity. Any one movement should, no one will succeed on its own. I hope you're getting my point. But each one must spread the truth of God to the whole body. Like I said last time, Joshua did not enter the promised land a day ahead of the rest of Israel, even though he did not doubt God. Caleb did not enter the promised land a day ahead of the rest of Israel, even though he did not doubt God. They were joined to the, other, to the whole nation. What are we saying therefore? All of us should understand that we are critical if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, I'm hurting my neighbor. If I abandon my post as a believer, I'm hurting my neighbor. It's not just me. I'm hurting my neighbor, the church. And that's why sometimes God has to remove people so he can have them replaced. I won't go into details about that. But you don't want to be removed. The only way is to make sure you find your duty post and you stay there. I hope you're getting my point. So just trying to review some things we said. So when you find that place, be faithful there and continue in that faithfulness, until God will say, everything that I planned, all the resources necessary have been put in place. These resources now being human beings, his own children that he has placed in places. Now, so what's important to most of us is, okay, how am I sure I am in the place where God said I should be? Now, let me repeat something I said, I think, two meetings ago, which is that, now I talk about why not visions, you remember that, that God doesn't always lead us through visions, because the, the discovery of our assignment in life is part of the development process. I hope you're getting my point. The process of discovery is part of the development process because God is building us up. So I gave the illustration then that if he wants you to get to a particular place, along the line there will be several junctions. 
And what he wants is that at each junction, you will learn the word of God. You will learn the precepts of God. Applying the precepts with prayer, you will make personally the best decision. That's what he wants. He wants you to be able to decide. God is not just building people who have obeyed him. He's also building people who can teach transgressors his way. I hope you're getting my point. Like we are saying here yesterday, when our brother Simon asked the question that, why do we say Lot was righteous? And he gave the reason why it didn't, that it didn't appear like Lot was righteous. But like when I was answering, what I said is that, number one, like Pastor Kimothy said, Lot was righteous because the Lord said he was righteous. The scripture said so. Peter, quoting Jesus Christ, said he was. But then I now said something. Now that we have accepted what the Lord said, let's now understand the ways of God. So I took some time to explain the righteousness of Lot. I won't do it now because many people now say, hey, say it. You should have been here when we were doing it yesterday. So. <laughs> but what I want to say is that we now went and said, listen, these are the things we have now understood that constitute the righteousness of Lot from Scripture. And that's what God wants. He, he can tell us, go here, go there, go here, go there. But he wants you to, to become like him. So that if he were to go, now he doesn't do this, but just imagine it. If he were to go and leave, you could be the Lord in his absence. <laughs> now he doesn't do that. I just want to give you an idea. Okay, just like I said earlier, that the, the appointing leaders for a nation says the decree of the watchers. They actually literally calls a council and they sit down and talk. If Asado Savarai said something which was interesting, he said the Lord gave him a book. A file in the vision. And he said, that is the plan I have for my daughter. What do you think? He said, and he looked like, what do I think? <laughs> like, what am I supposed to think? He said, I went through it. And in his mind, Lord, yeah, the plan looks good. Not because I think it's good, but because you wrote it. That's what I need. <laughs> now, but that is dropping. He said, the Lord said, what do you think? Really, you know, when God asks questions like that, you must understand. He's not trying to make discoveries. So. Adam, where are you? Even Google knew where Adam was. <laughs> I mean, Adam had his phone on him. So <laughs> Google would have been able to tell Adam where Adam was. He could have dispatched angels to find him in half of a half of a half of a millisecond. They would locate Adam. They won't have to move. They just like, do you get my point? They will find Adam. So when he said to Adam, where are you? He wasn't asking really for his own knowledge. He wanted Adam to know that you are, you are missing. I don't know that you get my point. Yeah, exactly. yeah, Adam, you are missing, you are missing. You are not where you are supposed to be. Who told you you were naked? You think he did not know? He knew. He wanted Adam to realize me listening to strange voices. So when God asked some of those questions, like I was saying, he's training us. He's saying that, do you appreciate what I have written here? And that's the reason why he doesn't just give us, do this, don't do this a lot of times. He leads us step by step so that we can learn in that process. He will leave you to exercise yourself. Sometimes my wife used to do something to me. <laughs> Most women are like this. It's not, um, she's not unusual. But you know, if anybody tells men are women, they say it's not true. I hope you know. Yes. You know, now I know if they hear this in America and I say this is, is it misogyny. What do they call that funny English? I don't know. Uh-huh. But it is not. It is reality. What I'm about to say. Most women can, will drive a car until the engine knocks. When it stops, they will call their husband. The car has stopped. I didn't say all women. What did I say? Most. Most men, once the car does, they have parked the engine, they open the bonnet. What is making noise there? 
Every little noise, they are hearing it. But the woman can cook with her nose from afar. So only those professional men who are cooks that know that one. Just sniff into the air. The curry in that thing is plenty. What did concern the guy? Concern the curry is plenty. <laughs> <laughs> No, you need to do just associate with women for some time. You know, men and women are just different. That's how God did it. It's on the chromosomes. All right? The Lord is good. Now, what am I going to say? So, when it comes to computers, my wife used to ask me a lot of questions. And it used to cause a lot of problems in the house. Do you know why it used to cause a lot of problems? She said, just answer me. I said, why should I answer you? So why won't you answer me? I said, because I told you this thing three weeks ago. And then two weeks ago, he said, say it again. I said, you know the problem? You won't pay attention. He said, okay, let me do it. He said, just do it. I said, see, see this how I'm doing it now. He said, just do it. And I look like, sweetheart, just look at it. Oh, okay, I'm looking at it. She's not looking at it. She just, her eye looking at her, her mind is looking somewhere else. So one day, you now come and say, let me do this. And, you, and I can remember the last four episodes. Why, why you just, if you don't want to teach me. I don't want to teach you. I've taught you five times. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Do I have a witness in the house? Yes. It's true. Now, where am I going with the whole story? So sometimes, what I do? Now I say, how do I do this? I will not stand. I said, just do it. I said, no, just do it. I have the answer. But I said, do it. Let me, just, let me, just be doing what I'm watching. Okay, I do this, I do this. I say, yes, just be doing it. Now, what am I trying to do? I want to impress it, you know. Is that Chinese man says, what I uh, hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. What I do, I know. That's a Chinese proverb. I say, okay, just do it. Let me watch you do it. It impresses more on your, you know, on your heart. When I say, do it. And I say, am, am I supposed to click here? I say, decide. I just want you to do the thinking by yourself. And of course, of course, most times, you just bother. And I said, Shabby, you have done it now. Uh, okay, should I just say that? I said, no, I'm not saying it. Go through it yourself. You know, I've taught you this thing before. Just when I, you know, like when I was saying before, you, didn't, you were not paying attention. Believing that next time you will call me again. So when I now made myself hard to call, you had to learn it. Now, it sounds funny, but the Lord does that with us also. You will pray, 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 pray. Lord, what am I supposed to do? There's no vision, no revelation, no counsel. You know what God is saying? Sit down and think. There's enough information available to make the right decision. That's what he says. There's enough information available. Sometimes, even though he knows it's not enough, he still leaves you there to get to the end. When you have exhausted yourself, he wants you to exercise the knowledge of truth that you have. So then, if any man lacks wisdom, that's the point of call that is called lacking wisdom. We have established that. So, the only way to constantly make the right decision as a believer is to constantly learn the truths of God. And then you apply. So, like I was saying, so when God is taking from one point to the other, there may be several junctions along the way. At each one, he says, think. Spiritual thinking now. And you'll be amazed at how easy it is to make decisions. And it's part of the training process. It's part of the learning process. I hope you're getting my point. Okay? So that's why I said, why not visions? It doesn't always give visions like that. Now, what I want to emphasize again today, how do I locate exactly where I'm, I'm supposed to be? Actually, it's generally easy 
Solomon said, this also I have found that God made men upright, but they sought out many devices. Which means that doing right will have come to us naturally. Doing the will of God will have come to us naturally a lot of times. Except that we have put our minds on something else. Now let me say this. There are so many of them. But the one that I want to talk about today briefly is this. Do you know many people still think that serving the Lord is a way of showing gratitude for something that he did for them? Now, it sounds good initially when I say this, but you see that it's actually evil. What do I mean? Many times, I have many encounters in my mind. A businessman is talking to me, and he's making plans for ministry. And you're looking at him like, do you think you are called to ministry? You know why he wants to enter ministry? He said, God has done so much for me. What can I do for him in return? Please, people of God, as noble as that sounds, it's unchristian. See, the only way you can pay God back is thank you. I hope you're getting my point. You can't pay him back with works. You can't pay him back with labor. You can't pay him back with money. You can't pay him back with missions. Say, I'm going on missions to show my gratitude. No. It is surprised many people, these things are not acceptable. Everything you do for God is by calling, by ordination, by assignment. Every single thing. Every single thing is as a calling, not a, God healed me. After I healed me, I told him, I will use my whole life to serve him. And you mean to go and preach? Whether I healed you or not, you will use your whole life to walk in his will, to serve him. Now, that thinking, like I said, it may sound so noble, but actually, it is erroneous. And it's the reason why many people are pursuing things. I've noticed that a lot of times. I see a lot of people, because they are well-to-do, they just enter into ministry because you can afford it. Money is a very funny thing. Money gives, you no know, everything talks in life. God has been speaking to us, but let's leave God out for a moment. One of the things that I talk the most, loudest in life, is money. It's money just talks, shouts anyhow. Just be going on the way. Money just tell you, don't you like that car? I actually like it. My spirit said I should buy it. Your spirit talks nonsense because you can afford it. Many people, their spirits have said, buy it. They don't even hear their spirit because, my God. <laughs> <laughs> because they can't afford it. How can you just go? Your spirit, just, your spirit just be saying, buy a car, and they go, go there. I saw one car the other day. I saw one car the other day. Sent to my friend. I told my friend, how would they put this amount of luxury in one car? He said, bank, let me be honest with you. I've been eyeing that car for some time. So I told him how he can buy it. So I now saw a new model. I said, well, I want to send you the video. Watch at your own risk. <laughs> because I know if you watch the car, you see the review, and you have the money, you will buy it. Your spirit will say to you, Arise, my son. The earth is the laws and the fullness thereof. The world and all the cars in it. Yes. <laughs> Brethren, it's not God. It's money. Money just will toss you up and down. It, it happens. The, when it comes to a car, it's not a problem. The one that is a problem is when it comes to ministry. 
A lot of people enter into ministry because they can afford it. Oh, yes. It's a temptation you have to use prayer to fight. See, doing what appears good can be as bad as what is bad, as far as God is concerned, if it's outside his plan. Because you think you are doing good, but you're actually hurting the overall plan that he has. Never forget that thing. Just by putting it in mind, you'll be able to do some right things. You don't serve God as a way of showing gratitude. Mm-mm. No. You know why you serve him? Because he owns you. You are his servant. There's nothing else to do apart from serve him. What you just need to do is locate where you are supposed to. Please, that simple truth I've given will liberate a lot of people and help them see what is right to do. It is not everybody that is called to ministry. Preaching ministry now. Every Christian is in ministry. Let me just emphasize that. We are all being built up, like Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, to do the work of ministry. What does that mean? The different areas in which we serve the purpose of God for our lives. That's what they call the work of ministry. But when we're talking about preaching now, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they are just a set. What is unique about them is that they have the job of empowering the church to do everything, that every member of the church to do their own duty. Like Paul would say, through the grace given to me, I say to each one of you, that is what gave him the right to say it is the grace given to him. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Dockers could not have gotten up and said to everybody. It wasn't allowed. She wouldn't have had the ability. Even if she did, nobody would have listened. But Paul said, through the grace given to me, I say to each one of you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. What I want to emphasize is the fact that grace given to him gave him the ability, the right, the power, the, the force to push truth into people. So he could energize everybody else to go and do what they are supposed to do, including other apostles. Please, you are getting the point. However, not everybody is called to that. Again, don't ever think it's a matter of promotion. That is one area where we as a church have spoiled things. Deacon, pastor, apostle, elder, they are now in a line. So you move from one to the other. You are a junior deacon, senior deacon, they now become assistant pastor, associate pastor, they want the full pastor, they want the bishop, they want the, maybe you die or something, I don't know. But just, you, know, you have to be promoted. It's a terrible mistake. It doesn't work like that. It is not okay. You've been a deacon for how long? You now become a, a pastor. Pastor is not a title like an office. It's a calling. So somebody can be a pastor and he's 18 years old and a member of the church. And his father is a member of the same church. His father is 50 years old. He's richer than everybody else there. And he's a deacon. So you don't get a church. Let's assume the name, is, the man's name is um, uh, Atiku Abubaka. <laughs> so <laughs> you see, there's brother. Smaila Abubakar, and he's a pastor. Then there's chief, elder, whatever, Atiku Abubakar, and he's a deacon. It is not as if the pastor is senior to him, and because a lot of young will not give him the title to pastor. There's this, they call the Buga, you know, this Buga. <laughs> is it Buga they call it? <laughs> like somebody said, that, what is wrong with this? Why is he proud? <laughs> Suddenly there's this thing on their shoulders. It's not, it's not, it's not. It just means you have an assignment 
to instruct people with the word of God. Doesn't mean you are senior. It is not something to aspire to. I don't know whether you are getting my point. It's not. It's a mistake Christians make. See, the reason why we don't function where we are supposed to function mostly, I'm going to tackle that as we go on, is the negative ideas we have. Sometimes we just feel inferior because we are not recognized. I said, if I'm a pastor of a church, and if you're a pastor, try and follow me this one and say, don't put choir in front. Do like uh, the, the one Catholic church I know in Benin. The choir is up on a roof. It's not a roof, it's a gallery. You can't see them. You just be hearing them. Boom, 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 boom. You hear everything they are doing. They sing well, but you don't see them. That way you know those who are called there and who are not called there. Everybody wants to be in church, be in front. Who doesn't like front? If not, you know go like front. Everybody likes to. You may not realize it like this. They say, okay, I have it. What is driving many people is that there are those who stand in front. Sometimes not for bad reasons. They just want to feel responsible. So that's my reason now. I'm not saying it is wrong, but I've just given you my reason. I don't want to tempt people. So if you are going to be there, you want to be leading, pre- it's only the person who is holding the mic, who is leading that I will let step up. Everybody else, best I will put you in one, you know, like the way this place is now, we have like, okay, just maybe with this aisle, the front there. So everyone will stand. We don't, everybody is facing the same direction. We are not, you are not performing for us. You don't have to dress up for us. Now, the reason that many people miss their callings for things like that, so that's why a lot of people aspire. Do you know, this generation, being a pastor is quite, um, it's glamorous, it's respectable. You know, it's, um, even when you put it on your car, police have, yes. they would look you twice. A man of God. I've seen people fight for that title. It's not for the service. You know, we started here the other day. That when, when we talk about Paul, people say, should we use titles? And I pointed out that Paul was never ashamed. He said, it, I, he said Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And I said, no. It was after we left, I realized what my mistake was. And why people were mistaken. And why the argument came out. That when Paul used the title, an apostle, it was not with the glamour we are using it today. When Paul said, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, what he meant is I'm a slave of Jesus. The Jesus was not a popular person. I hope you're getting my point. It wasn't. I'm looking for someone that's not so popular, but it's not so bad that we all know. Okay, let me just use one. It's not a bad. It's not a bad person. It's like I come down and say that um, all of us know Namdi Azikiwe, right? Yes. Uh-huh. This is Tan Nigeria. We should all know him. Who doesn't know Namdi Azikiwe? Let's send you back to primary school. We all know. So as soon as I come here, and I want to introduce myself. Good morning, sir. Um, I was a driver of um, Namdi Azikiwe. Are you going to put me on a high pedestal? What I'm just telling you is that, yes, the message I'm running is the one that said I should come and tell you. He said that, please, when will the meat be ready? The people are almost gathered. I'm supposed to take the meat back home. Do you, I, I just mentioned the prominent name, okay, who we all know in this part of the, in fact, the whole country, especially. All right? We all, we all know him. But when I come and say I'm a servant, it's not a bragging like everybody line up. No, it's more like Please, this is the person who sent me. Can I have the package I'm supposed to go and deliver? I hope you're getting my point here. That, is what, that was the sense which we Paul used the title, apostle. A messenger. He was just emphasizing the fact that I'm not talking for myself. 
I was sent by somebody. So, where am I going? If we remove this idea of, oh, let me be promoted into a glamorous position, it becomes easier for us to know where we are supposed to what? Function. Like I said, it is not, you know, like I was trying to emphasize that, look, it's not something you do, like, they walk, let me come and pay God back. So that, now listen to this. So that many people feel like, I follow my own path, then when God has been so good to me, I now come and do something for him. A man sat me one, down one day, said, I should help him, to give him advice on how to do ministry. Why? He said, now he has reached his peak of his career. So now he wants to now go and do ministry. And I was looking at him like, I just went back home one day, I told my wife, that day, I told my wife, I said, please, Make sure I never tell you this kind of nonsense. Unless you want to be a widow. I told her straight like that. So I looked at him. I didn't know how to tell him. and say, sir, I don't think you are called to ministry. I said to him in my mind, I don't think you are called to ministry. Because if you were called, now we are back to the scripture we read. If you were called, you will say, first, let me reach the peak of my career. And then come and do that which God gave me life to do. I said, no, I don't think you are called. <laughs> Listen, and it's obvious. One of the ways you will know you are not called to something. Now, first, hey, there are so many things to say. Let me drop this one for one minute. Please make sure you are interacting with the word of God regularly. You are being a good Christian regularly, especially with the matter of prayer and the word of God. All right? Because without the spirit of Christ flowing into you, you can't do what is right for him. Okay? Bear that in mind. I don't want to develop that in details now. What I want to emphasize is the fact that if you are like that and you are able to think of something and say you will do it later when it's convenient, I don't think you are called to do it. Now, why I need to say that is that some people, they can think like that even though they are called to it because they are irresponsible. But let me use the words I learned from Ken Hagen. Very interesting. Ken Hagen said that the way some people behave when it comes to ministry, say either they are not called or they are hopelessly unfaithful. It's either they are not called, or they are what? Hopelessly unfaithful. That's a matter of fact. See, what you really are called to do, listen to me, even if you are not doing doing it now, if God has given you an indication of it, it's usually hot on your mind. They have to restrain you from doing it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Like I told you, personal story. God had to give me a dream during NYSC, to calm my head down because he did not want me to start ministry before I would get to Enugu. Now, I didn't know all of this. I'm the, I'm the, I discovered it later. I hope you get my point. I didn't know. I did not know I was going to Enugu. Enugu was not on my mind. But Kingdom World, as you know it, okay, started after I got to Enugu without a shadow of doubt in my mind because that was how God wanted it. And to prepare me for that, he had to give me a dream during NYSC. It was so bad that, listen, I told I used to preach to the wall. I used to walk around just preaching to anything. You know they call fire in your bones? Anytime things will slow down and it looks like, in fact, there was a church one day I made up my mind. That this church, I'm going to join them. Why? Because I wanted to just start ministry work. The first day I entered the church, I was driven out. Yes, God sent, I've been going to church for a long time, off and on, off and on. Like when I say off and on, if I'm not busy, I'm in service. Every time I'm in service, unless something makes me not be able to attend. So the particular day I made up my mind, I'm joining now. Let us do this work of ministry. As I sat down, 
two angels were sent to bundle me out. I didn't see anybody, but I, do, I just keep on saying two. So I think there must have been two, because that two never leaves my mouth. Even, one could have, even though one could have done it, but I think there were two. They came in there and said, lie, lie, yeah, out. But because I sat in front, some of people, when people come to church, they like to sit at the back. I was never like that. Church, I'm going to the front. I won't take the first row because I don't know whether it's reserved for the most important people. But I normally go like, if the church is empty, I go for like the third row. So that when the deacons and apostles will come, they can take their first row. <laughs> so I, I was quite in front. I couldn't leave that service. Otherwise, I would have run away. For what those guys did to me that day, that's those angels. I thought they were choking me to death, actually. I struggled throughout. As soon as I was done, as soon as they shared the grace, I turned and literally ran. I ran out of that church. I, that is, when I say ran, I ran. When I, as soon as I stepped out, the experience was over. I looked at the building. I said, I'm not coming back here again. That was, no, that was the day I tried. But you see, many things will happen. I just realized that, ah, God, what is going on? Then I remembered the dream I had in 93. And I knew that would end. It's a long story. When I, it was when I got to Enugu that there's a particular point in which I knew it had been fulfilled. And I was at the Kingdom World Ministries here. But believe me, it was hot on my mind from the beginning. Listen to this. If really you are rightfully related with the Lord, and you are leaving something till when it's convenient, it's either you are not called to do that, or you are, like an Hagen would say, hopelessly unfaithful. That's why I started by saying that, listen, we're not doing anything for the Lord, like payback. Bless my business for 20 years. I didn't know 20 years when I'm not a multi-millionaire. And I'm counting this money in dollars. And I said, God, what can I do for you? So I'll now start a mission work. And I'll start a rent a hall and I'll be teaching. And I'll be preaching. Listen to me. Don't enjoy yourself. You're not called to do that. You'll never enter into anything in life as a way of showing God gratitude. Like I said, I, at the beginning of the first sentence, for, for many people, like, what did you say? It sounds noble, but you know it's wrong. No, after God hit me, I, I, I saw one guy, sorry. Oh. Now, let me say this, please. Sometimes God will use experiences to wake people up. Let me t- give him Lester Sumra's story. As a young man, he was angry with preachers. Something led to it. I won't waste your time explaining it. But he didn't like preachers as a young man. As soon as he was old enough to live there, and he said he wanted to be rich. Many people don't like preachers want to be rich. What does that tell you? They think preachers are poor, so <laughs> he wanted to be rich, so he left home as soon as he turned 17 or something. Now, all her life, in fact, even before he was born, his mother had prayed to have a child who would be a preacher. I hope you're getting my point. So all her life, she had been praying for her children, especially this one, that this one will preach the gospel of God. So as a matter of fact, he was born to preach. But he rebelled all his life. So as soon as he was old enough, he got up and left home in rebellion. The mother continued to pray. I know how God arrested him. He became sick. Whether it was God that gave him sickness, or Satan said, let me quickly kill him, before he can answer the call, I don't know. Because I know God can do anything. I don't know what happened to him. But lesser someone came back home, dying. He was still a young man. He was still a teenager. He left him, I think, when he was around 17. Before he was 19, he was back. Please, I hope you're getting my point. He was back home. And 
He was lying down there, dying slowly. His mother kept on praying. And then one day he had a vision. He looked on his right. Well, I don't know which was right or on left. But on one side was a casket, a coffin, exactly his size. No, <laughs> he, know, he knew this was his size. Of course, do you need to pray to interpret that dream? That vision, no. On the other side was a big Bible. So the God said, just pick one. He knew that was what the vision meant. Let's make a long story short. We are telling the story because he picked the Bible. That is, he answered the call to ministry. And for the first few years, he said he preached only to stay alive. He didn't care whether you believe or you don't believe. He will preach. The first place he went, he told the man, please, I want to use your barn building for ministry, ministry work. The man said, look at one young man. I beg, I have things to do. Please, I'm not giving you. He told the man, listen, I have to preach. If I don't preach, I will die. And if I die, God will request my blood. <laughs> yeah, he told the man like that. He says, sir, I have to preach. My life depends on it. If I don't preach, I will die. And if I die, God will ask you. To get the mad boy off his neck, the man really gave him the keys. Yeah, take the building. That was how he started ministry. No, sometimes that happens. I hope you're getting my point. Sometimes that happens. What I'm saying, because that was so strong on my mind when I was coming today, is to explain to the people of God. All right? The opposite does not always flow. doesn't always follow. But it's now I have prospered. Let me now go back and do something to say to the Lord, thank you. Please, people of God, it's not necessary. People do it all the time. I was speaking with one man one day. He was describing his plans for missions for me. And I was looking at him and said, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. It's in this city here. It's a businessman. You know, we're just talking about things. The decay work you are doing is good enough. Do it well. This one you have been doing, this is your business you have been doing. Nothing wrong with it. You can do it for the Lord. RJ Lotono, you can buy his book, Mover of Men and Mountains. That was what happened to him. He felt that for me to be able to do the work of ministry, I have to travel as a missionary. And where he wanted to go was China. And a, mini, a pastor came to town. And he was doing well in business. God had established him. He had this, he had a mind that God gave to him in engineering. He was not formally schooled, but he learned engineering by himself. So he called himself a self-taught engineer. I hope you're getting me. So, Ajilo Tono, he now went and met that preacher. One day, they came to do a program in town. So he was going to shut down his business and go down to, what do you call it? For, uh, for, for the channel for missions. And then the, the, that, he now went to see that preacher before going. And that preacher said, okay, you see me later. Then when he, I, I guess the man went to pray. When he came, he just told him straight. He said, are you aware that God needs businessmen as much as he needs missionaries? Algilo Tono had never heard that in his life. He said, what? So I can be a businessman and I'm doing my own ministry there? The man said yes. Ajilo Tunu went back to work. He abandoned the, the, the China idea, the missionary idea. He abandoned it. However, he took on his engineering work as the work of God. Please, again, you should share books. Remember that? How to work for God. If you have not read it and you have been coming here for, for one, up to one month, you are a sinner. And this sin cannot be atoned for 
By sacrifice. By prayer. No. How do you atone for this sin? Read the book. You look like a sinner, sir. The way you start on looking at me, people like say you don't sin. It's easy. Get the book and read it. Abby? Please, if you are listening to us remotely, again, go to the website. It's free to download. It's about two megabytes or so. And please, once you download, you must pay. What did I say? When you download it, you must do what? Please, how much is the payment? With how many people? At least, okay. Precious said ten people. I said seven before, but now she has said ten. We bless the Lord. Was it ten I said before? Somebody will say five. No, this is why this no, you are spoiling the currency. Okay, let, let, okay, there's no need to quarrel, Abby. Let's just come to an agreement. Just share with twelve people to cover for. <laughs> the Lord is good. Please go and read the book How to Work for God. Please read How to Work for God. In it, I explain that what we call secular work is also the work of God. Agile to know, however. Two things he did. Apart from doing his engineering well as ministry in itself, he became a great giver to the work of ministry. So that when he sold his company later, he gave almost everything out. He sold the company, I think, to Caterpillar much later. And to one other company. And he gave out almost everything. I think it's 95% or more, or 100% of everything he sold the company for. We're talking, in today's currency... Hundreds of millions of dollars in today's currency. Of course, it was smaller than that. This was in the 70s, if I remember well. He gave out everything to missions, the mission that he wanted to do. He said, no, my job is to provide money for the missions. Sometimes, when I'm discussing with my wife, I say, I think some people, their problem is that to release that money, they can't. So the money will now call them to ministry. You don't know that? One of the things, let me just... Should I start this one? No, let me not start it. But see, if you want to give eh, to ministry, give. Stop using microscope to follow what they are doing with the money. If you don't believe in what they are doing, don't bother. And I think you should be a giver. Givers and monitors are two different people. Don't be a monitor. Some people are monitors. And for that reason, they are not liberal. There's something about giving and liberality. I don't want to start it now. The liberal person really doesn't care. If you like, waste the money it's between you and your God. The monitor wants you to send him a, a what do you call it, receipt of the last one he gave. Oh, but you didn't give us impress, too. Do you, you know what they call impress? Impress is the one I need to account to you. Then you now send more. You are not, you are, I'm not working for you. If you ever send money to King Noah, please send a note of appreciation. Thank you, sir, for using our money. Yeah, seriously. Now, we will tell you, we will bless you. But if you are expecting, thank you. Please stop sending us money. You're not normal. <laughs> Look at the way everybody is quiet. Say, Pastor Banky, you want to end the offering? End it. I consider it a privilege. You should be happy. Like one brother will say, thank you, sir, for giving us something to give to. And the one will give you money. We know what it is doing. We know we are really preaching the gospel. Just leave it there. Let me not sit on it. That's another preaching in itself. If I start now, because, you know, because it's money, we are not, I'm, I'm, don't mind me. I'm going to stop shortly. I just realized that Kai, I've taken quite more time than I, than I planned to. The Lord is good.
let me just summarize it so that we can go. Okay, I just realized that if I start this train of thoughts, we will not finish. Okay? Now, this is the point I'm making. All right? There's another thing I was supposed to say, but time will not let me say it. So, can we just take it? Well, in the evening at 5 o'clock, when we continue? <laughs> oh, really, really? No. I really enjoyed myself this morning, but it's just so painful for me that two important things I'm, I wanted to say. I've not even, I've only scratched one, and the second one will just continue next time. All right? Because apart from the fact that you cannot, let me just say they will go. Apart from the fact that you cannot, okay? Do something for God as that you want to show him gratitude. It's not necessary. Just tell him thank you. It's acceptable. Anything you are doing, make sure it is the work he wants you to do. Not a favor you are doing for him. That's what I'm going to say. Secondly, the reason why people often don't, you know, I think the reason why people may not follow. Another reason why people don't follow the plan of God for their lives, I began that last time. I would like to develop it further. Is actually they are afraid of tomorrow. They are afraid of tomorrow. They are afraid of tomorrow. Let me say it again. Let's read this particular scripture. And that's the one I used to say it. Like I said, I will not explain it. I want to see if I'm not out of here in the next, after reading this scripture. Come and drive me away if you have the anointing to do that. <laughs> Look chapter 12 quickly. Luke chapter 12. I'll just read the particular scripture. I'll not develop it. If God allows me, I'll pick it up from there next time. Today I spent a lot of time trying to emphasize the fact that we must live a life of study. So that's what took a lot of my time. So Luke chapter 12 from verse 13. We're going to verse 34. All right? But because it's a long read, I will not read everything. I'll give you a preamble. If God helps us next time, we'll come and develop it further. Now, Jesus was talking about that thing we know very well. Don't worry about tomorrow. There was a man whose land was productive, so he heaped up, uh, what they call it, goods for tomorrow. But at the end of the day, you know what he said? Verse um, 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, for this reason I say to you, don't worry about your life. Now, for time's sake, I'll stop reading here. Then continue going down. He said, verse 33, sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out. And unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near, no more destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Please, where I want is, I jumped the verse I really want. No, I did, did I? Okay, yeah, I jumped the verse. Where I want is verse 31. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Next verse, 32. Do not be afraid. Somebody say that. Do not be afraid. Say it again. Do not be afraid. He said, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Let me ask you a question. If I bring out, let's say, 5,000, and I say, hey, victory, take Will I say, don't be afraid, take. Will I say that to him? Why would I tell him, don't be afraid? Because the first thing I offer will be fearful. I don't know whether I get my point. Now, assuming he's the one that maybe apostle just gave him 5,000 there. And I say, Victor, bring that 5,000 there. Then I say, don't be afraid. Would that make sense? 
Because I want to take his 5,000. He's like, Daddy, how far now? Uh-huh. Is that the way it runs? You're the one that's supposed to be giving me, not collecting from me. And I say, don't worry. I will give you back to you later. I just need to buy something now. Then he calms down. What am I going to say? When Jesus said, don't be afraid, what he was telling the people was fearful to do. What am I going to say? Many times when we are supposed to follow God, all right, and fear comes. Jesus said, don't be afraid. It is a father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let me end it here. That is, once you have located the plan of God for your life, don't be afraid. What did I say? The money is not plenty. Finish it for me. I don't know what tomorrow holds. Is this means you're going to grow big. This is what I'm doing. Say, what is the future of it? Will anybody know I'm hiding in this place? All the questions people normally ask. You know what Jesus said? Don't be afraid. If the Lord allows, I would like to pick up from this point next time. Because that was the main message I brought for today. But let's leave it here because of time. Thank you, Lord. Thanks. Lord, thank you. Thank you.